0: Welcome one and all to another episode of the, the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind podcast. Nerd podcast. My name's Aimrod TJ Sutherland. Dan Kolokar,
1: With new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast at ForeverInelectricDreams.com.
0: Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast. How are you? Thank you very much for your time and company for our show today. Uh, My name is Imran. We have a brilliant uh, show lined up for you today. Before we jump in, however, a quick reminder that uh, we release new podcast episodes on the first and third Mondays of every month. And you can find us at our website home of foreverinelectricdreams.com. Where you can find our full catalogue of uh, past podcast episodes, uh, spin-off podcasts and uh, relevant and associated articles. So we'd love for you to check us out. Uh, Feel free to say hi and um, yeah, we can enjoy in this geekdom geekdom life together. So uh, as I said, my name's Imran. I'm joined by uh, TJ Sutherland. How are you today?
2: I'm not too bad, thanks. All good
0: uh and uh we'll talk about that in a moment because you're lying uh but Dan, <laughs> Dan how are you today <laughs> I'm wonderful oh, wonderful wonderful I'd say Teej is lying because uh T and I both had vaccinations yesterday uh and we both feel terrible uh we've had horrible days and we feel like crap and what's really funny is that this is an episode um uh, about uh music rebellion about rebellion within music so uh In in many ways, this whole episode has been art imitating life because this is, I think, the fourth time we've attempted to record this. (laughs) And the very theme is rebelling against us. So, uh, (laughs) hopefully.
2: Actually, I'm glad you you brought up how crap I'm feeling (laughs) because at least that gives an excuse for if this episode turns out to be absolute dog shit, I'll just blame it on uh, the COVID vaccine that is running rampant through my veins right now.
0: I'm convinced none of it will that this episode won't even record. that's how bad I think it's gonna be. That's how bad the rebellion is.
2: Absolutely jinxed.
3: Hang on. You motherfuckers have both had the Pfizer one, which is the good one. Well Uh yeah. I well don't Imran's had his one. first
2: one, I've had my second one. Cause I was old. <laughs> Before you, you say your, it. What was <laughs> your
0: you had um you had the other one then, I guess, then? AstraZeneca, yeah. yeah and you what was your reaction you said you had the shakes that's pretty hard yeah it was really weird i i woke up probably
3: middle of the night and i was shaking uncontrollably i just could not stop it was really weird Gosh. um i didn't i didn't even really particularly feel cold i just couldn't stop shaking um
2: this is not a good advertisement for uh, people to say the vaccine. By the way, you might want to think about editing this out. <laughs> people listening are going, "Fuck that! I'm not getting any vaccine. I'm just going to tough it out."
3: And it lasted like I think it lasted a couple of couple of hours, and then mm. the rest of the time, I think I just slept very heavily. I don't think mm. much more than that. Well, are you having headaches, TJ? Are you-
2: uh, I've not got. I've got. I've got bone aches like my joints are really achy it's like it's like when you get uh when you're just starting to get ill and your joints and your bones just feel a bit achy so whenever you move you feel a bit heavy but um uh no I just tiredness and brain fog that I've, I've got like I've since yesterday I've just been very very tired and uh yeah unable to focus on things oh man I'm not I'm not selling this vaccine well go get vaccinated people it would be really worth it in the end.
0: Well yeah, no, trust what? me, as someone that's had the alternative, this this, I've had a really yeah, horrible true. day, but you you don't want the alternative. So um yeah, no. So Fair. yes, absolutely get get vaccinated and uh uh yeah, not everyone reacts. Badly. If you want to. Yeah. If, if you want to, to get oh, vaccinated. Gosh, yes, let's it's not, not mandatory,
2: let's... so you know, it's if you want to get vaccinated, do it. If not, you live your live your best life.
0: Yes, that's a uh, yeah, well put. Well put. Um, so coming up next
2: week on Grumpy Old Man. <laughs> uh, tell you what, this is not going to age well in like is, no. 30 years if it, if, uh, if it turns out that Bill Gates actually is using this vaccine to track people <laughs> and all that stuff. This is not going to age well. Absolutely. Well, we
3: we re release this episode, but just edit out the word um vaccine. <laughs>
0: I'm Yeah, Tej <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had our vasectomies last uh yesterday and obviously Dan's had no. his uh several <laughs> weeks ago and you were cut with this
2: shit. would that make my right joint why would that make my joints hurt? <laughs> Jeez. It's um, gone off the rails really quickly. it completely off the
0: rails, <laughs> and I'm editing none of it because I'm uh, I'm just going to put it out. Um, uh, so today's episode, um, five minutes in, I'm now going to give you what we're talking about. Uh, this sees us revisit. So this is episode 38 of our of our podcast and this sees us travelling back to episode 31 uh, which was an episode entitled um who who was our ultimate uh, rebel uh, within music and um <laughs> I've I've realized that when I host uh, I tend to like a bit of preamble before we jump into the main topic. And for that episode, the preamble took an hour and we never addressed the actual question of who for each of us is our ultimate music uh, rebel and it was a great conversation it was a really brilliant one I really enjoyed it we kind of discussed uh, lots of different examples of rebellion from we went from NWA to Dixie Chicks and uh, everything in between and it was a it was a really really good episode and um, I have to uh, I'd like to give a thanks and shout out to uh, Teacher's very sister Sharon because she's uh, I think inspired us to actually push ahead uh, and actually record the part two which was addressing specifically the question of um, rebellion in music so um, at the risk of derailing things again I'm about to engage in a bit of preamble (laughs) that hopefully won't take an hour but I I prepared uh, a mini quiz for you guys Oh, God. Um, um, yeah. So I I think that when it comes to rebellion in music, uh no it's good it'll be fine honestly. <laughs> you'll you'll like it. Um when it comes to rebellion in music the the thought can often be romanticized and about people standing up for their beliefs and things like that. I prepared a uh mini quiz an informal quiz uh about rebellion gone a little bit wrong and I'm going to pitch you a scenario and see if you guys know who it is attributed to. Just okay you've, you've just got answers one to three so well done i've crossed those off the list <laughs> come on <laughs> so i'm gonna pitch you some scenarios i say informal quiz there is of course ten thousand pounds riding on this sweet um, <laughs> uh okay so ready for the first one shoot Flex your rebellion muscles yeah. so who in 2012 during the super bowl halftime show issued their middle finger during the performance. 2012. They were a guest on, um, for someone who was actually the, the headliner. Does anyone have any recollection of it?
3: Because mm. right, I, mm. I remember the
2: wardrobe malfunction.
3: Where- of course, General yes.
2: Jackson and Justin Timberlake here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I thought that's what you, when you said two people, I was like, right, that's what he's going for.
0: But that was um, a weird one. wasn't? I never understood that. Like, anyway.
2: Yeah, was it legit? Was it not? He he uh, openly
0: reaches for it and pulls... It's weird. I think
2: think it was a work. I think it was, yeah, because... Why did she also... She had, like, um, nipples... Yeah, she was covered. Exactly. Yeah, so... I never understood it. That was a weird one. But anyway, Um, it's not that one. Yeah, it's not that one. Uh, 2012? I don't know.
3: Oh, hang on. Was it... um... Yeah, I do know. Oh, well, I don't know the artist, but I know it was Madonna. That's right.
0: Have
3: you Googled it? That's very good. No, 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 no. But I, it, it's definitely Madonna doing something. It was doing Madonna
0: something. was the headliner. She was not the person who it, who uh, um, raised the middle finger. It was her guest.
1: But it,
3: but it was someone. Oh, I don't know. So the male or female? A rapper. Female. It yeah, was a female,
0: female
2: rapper. Nicki well, Minaj.
0: UK rapper. Oh,
2: UK rapper. Oh, uh, UK rapper. Three initials. Uh, Sia. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wrong country, wrong genre. But sure. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna
0: say it. She's go, go for it. M.I.A. Oh, okay. she was issued a sixteen million dollar fine by God the damn. NFL as a result. uh, Wait,
2: sorry, 16 million?
0: 16 million US dollar fine, but they initially settled uh, for an undisclosed (sighs) amount. Her it's manager, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, the U.S. take this stuff very seriously.
2: Like, NIA, it's if we've got no like $16 million, come on.
0: Well, her, her manager was apparently Jay-Z at the time, and he said, okay, you better fair. pay that. And he said, <laughs> you better pay it. And she went, I'm not going to pay that. That's crazy for a middle finger. But
2: why, why did she
0: even do it? Like, it's such a weird thing to have done. Especially, but,
2: like I would imagine, that's the that was the first time, and no doubt the only time. Now she's going to be on Super Bowl halftime show. Yes. <laughs> Why would you risk it all f- just to flip off the whole right. of America? And it's a hey, isn't it? I don't want you to buy my records. I'm just going to flip you off on the biggest show. Uh, that that sounds like a dumb move to me. Yeah, it's a weird one.
0: I don't know what she was specifically even rebelling for, but. It backfired in a major way.
2: Isn't she? Is she Middle Eastern origin? Yeah, I think she's is she like Israeli or something. I like think
0: so. That? I, I think she's UK based. I don't know if she was born here. I don't think uh, she was
2: born here actually, but I think she's UK based. So she is du, 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 Sri Lankan Tamil parents. Okay, so but, Sri Lankan too. So, yeah,
3: I don't give a fuck. It wasn't just a finger.
0: Oh really? That all I all yeah. I all my uh, oh my gosh, she dropped She said the words as well. I think
2: so. Oh. Okay, well she's she's her, act, her activism. Sorry, she's been activist for Palestine and mm. uh, Black people stuff like that. So I imagine there was some sort of statement in that about the US's treatment of Black people and Palestinians and all that kind of stuff mm. mixed up in that, but. Again, that feels like a weird well, time and place. I don't know. They're backing yeah. Israel. You mean mm. what's that, sorry?
3: The Americans backing of Israel.
2: Yeah, yeah. One well, that one. <laughs> so, because mm. that's that's the uh, that's um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's what she believes in, and that's where she wants to make a statement. Well i interested to, to
0: know how much he had to pay. But anyway, so the next one. That was 16 million. <laughs> oh, uh, the next one, who opened for the Rolling Stones in 1981 wearing a trench coat? Let me rephrase. Which male vocalist opened for the Rolling Stones in 1981 wearing a trench coat and bikini briefs and didn't get 25 minutes into their set before leaving following booze and having objects thrown at them while on stage?
2: Phil Collins.
3: <laughs> I, oh, sting. I wish it was true who did you say that uh, sting
0: no, no reason Jesus. i just
3: imagine sting in a trench coat
0: it's in
2: bikini uh, reefs no who was it An it was one.
0: prince oh my prince god it was. It was. <laughs> it i mean was full dirty mind um, um yeah. get up i think Uh, He he was opening uh, for the first of two nights, opening for the Stones, um, and that's how the first night ended. He was very upset, and among other people, Mick Jagger uh, coaxed him into coming back for the second night. I remember a while ago reading, I think it was, um, who's the... um, Keith Richards, uh, where Keith Richards was less sympathetic and sort of just said, "Well, what the hell did he expect would happen?"
2: Um, wow, well, when Keith Richards is dogging you, then you know you fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a <laughs>
0: Rolling Stones audience at the tail end of the seventies. You know, yeah, again, true. time and place like it's just not going to work. Read, but, the,
2: read the read the roommate.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He made it through the second show in its entirety. However, was still subject to the same treatment and uh, didn't go well. Wow. Mm. Hmm. Here's one that you'll all know. Uh, Who, during a Hurricane Katrina telethon in 2005, shocked the world by angrily declaring George Bush doesn't care about black people?
2: That... Was that a rapper? It
0: was a rapper.
2: Was it Ice Cube? No. No.
0: I thought you guys would have got this one straight away.
2: Oh. It was a rapper, and I do know about it. and you do know... I can't think of it as though.
0: Uh, oh. I'll give you a hint: an English rapper.
2: No, 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 no! Very,
0: very, yeah. very, very famous US rapper. Um,
2: oh, and the imagine, thing is that gone.
0: Imagine a very famous US rapper with a red MAGA hat.
2: Oh, most uh, Kanye. What Kanye. Kanye? Kanye West. Did you say yeah, most
0: yeah. F? I did say yeah. Oh
1: my Bro. gosh! <laughs> most F is weeping somewhere. Oh no. <laughs>
0: What he a hat? A MAGA hat, sorry, I didn't uh, maybe. Oh, MAGA, MAGA hat. I beg your okay. pardon. I thought you said red hat. No, uh, yeah, red MAGA hat. Yeah,
3: yeah, okay, but not yeah, I didn't get the MAGA bit. Not said most of Yeah,
2: hat. no, Kanye. Good old Kanye.
0: Good old Kanye. He's had his fair share of bizarre moments of rebellion and uh that was, you know, that I guess that that was attributed to a legitimate statement, I think. Um, yeah, others no, definitely. Weren't. I mean, he wasn't um, wrong. <laughs>
3: yeah, to be fair, one of the few moments he's on point.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, who ripped up a photo of Pope John Paul II during a Saturday night? Sinead office? O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor, yeah. absolutely. In 1992, uh, branding him evil in protest to Roman Catholic Church's record of sexual abuse. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, absolutely well done. Uh, Joe Pesci hosted the following week, subsequently tearing up a photo of Sinead during his monologue, Dude. a rapturous
2: applause. <laughs> wow. Wow. He could have just let it go. <laughs> yeah, you know that I
0: mean? was, She's been barred apparently from ever returning to Saturday Night Live. There's a short list of people who have never. I been don't invited think she's back. that bothered, to be
2: fair. Probably not.
0: Uh, and the final one. Um, Another one I imagine you'll, you'll get. Uh, who famously gave listeners the option to pay? Uh, this isn't a bad one at all. This is a very good one. Uh, who famously gave listeners the option to pay what you want for the release of their seventh studio album, Radiohead, Radiohead, following the end of their recording contract with EMI in 2007. Radiohead, of course, the album in rainbows. Very divisive at the time, I remember, when they, they did that. What an amazing Uh, I used the term gamble. It wasn't necessarily a gamble, but I thought it was a wonderful thing to have done. It was pretty cool. But can I add in
3: um, who made everyone have a free copy of their album they didn't want?
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) bloody, it was you 2 yeah.
0: Oh man, the reaction yeah. to that—the the that vitriol was... from people—was so unfair. It was so hard. So funny. I mean, uh... It's such a big
3: album as well.
2: <laughs> you just kind of ask him for trouble when you do some stuff like, that, especially when because it wasn't that not at the beginning of the streaming boom. Well, it's kind of yeah, it was kind of as streaming was begin becoming like a major or or like the major force in terms of music consumption. And then you're gonna like force feed people. I like I, I didn't I didn't understand. Mm. I mean, sorry, I understand the, the thought process behind it, but again, read the room, man.
0: But yeah, I I, <laughs> I was shocked at the reaction to it. To be honest, like if you, if you don't like it, fair enough, you know, just don't take it. it but
2: people were pissed.
0: It anyone,
2: anything. <laughs> <laughs> it it. Yeah, I mean like, that's like, that's the thing though, isn't it? It's like. You know, give people a chance to react to something, and they'll go yeah. absolutely nuclear on it. Especially when it's you two as well.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean,
2: imagine—oh God! Can you imagine if Coldplay did that? Oh, <laughs> World oh, War Three, oh, man! Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Nickelback, u two, and uh, Coldplay collab album force fed into your Spotify playlist. And it locks your 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 app until you listen to the whole album <laughs> twice. <laughs>
3: People get so angry about being given content they didn't want for free. I mean I found a folder of your dick pics on my um,
2: <laughs> on my computer, TJ. And I
1: oh, and
2: I your laptop welcome. is your laptop is now locked until you view every single one of their pictures. <laughs> uh, you will consume my content whether you want it or not. The folder was called "From All Angles." Yep, that's the one. <laughs> okay. Let's move swiftly on from that. One, let's move we. swiftly
0: on. That's the end of the quiz. And um, see what you started Ren? Yeah, I'm sorry, I did not see this happening. Um, so let's <laughs> let's jump in. To, oh, so you
3: I can't believe you didn't mention uh, Jarvis Cocker waving his ass um, during. <laughs> oh Earth's my God!
2: Was, was that the <laughs> Brits? Yeah, 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 it was a Brits. Yeah, Michael Jackson's uh, performance of "What About Us"?
1: I, I, get, it. I, I can't. it. Was the era, wasn't it? Oh no, uh,
2: uh, Earth song was it? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, I think it was. It's when we had all the kids on the stage. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: It did, that, with the lyrics, "What About Us" in there, I think. Brilliant!
0: I completely forgot that. That was insane.
3: There was also, I think it was an MTV Music Awards, and, and to this day, I don't know if it, if it was real or not, but they they, they had, um, I think it was Borat in his mankini or in some kind of thong on a crane, um, and they dangled him over Eminem, and Eminem oh,
1: geez, went yeah.
3: mental, and... To this day, it's like, was this a work? Did Eminem actually was he was he angry? Was he setting no. himself up? I,
0: I vaguely remember it. I think it was a work. I think it was as well. I think he was actually taking the mick out of himself
3: because he he's had a lot of um, I guess blowback for homophobic lyrics. But yeah, that was
0: wow. Oh, your memory is insane. I can't. Yeah, some of these I I completely forgot about some of those. Um, yeah so i guess let's let's jump into the main topic uh daniel first who um uh, above all else would you cite as your sort of your ultimate rebel uh within music well there's quite a, there's quite a few to choose from but i guess
3: i have to cite an artist that i've followed since i was probably about 13 Um, when I first, I don't think it was, I I didn't begin with Pretty Hate Machine, I think I began with um, Downward Spiral, but I've always been, from that moment onwards, a huge fan of Trent Reznor, and I think, and Nine Inch Nails, of course, and part of the reason was at that time, even when you think of Pretty Hate Machine, which I think came out uh, at the end of the eighties, probably, probably eighty-eight or eighty-nine. It's the fact that he never did anything mu- musically, or rather, from a point of view of the videos he released, the songs he wrote, the subject matter he covered. It was all very angry and going against the grain. And every most most Nine Inch Nails videos. Um, Were censored because you couldn't. You had to watch them after midnight on MTV because they always seem to have explicit material. Um, There was there's there's so much to unpack about his life, his kind of values, his outlook. But I think one of the things that um, is because there's so many artists who. Who are anti-establishment? Who go against the grain? Who who, who want? Who don't? You know? Who, who don't want to be seen as mainstream? Um, that's that's not something that that's that unusual in music. But I think, Trent uh, Reznor, he didn't like um, the record label model of producing music. I think he he hated you know, having to answer to execs and producers that, you know, them trying to basically alter his his musical style and what he couldn't couldn't release and when he could tour. So it it was quite interesting that I think about a year after uh, Radiohead did the whole pay what you like for In Rainbows, um, basically... Trent Reznor released the album *The Slip*, and it was completely free. Um, there was—I don't think even there, there was no function to ask for a donation. He just released the whole album for free, and subsequently, he's released Garage Band files of hundreds of different songs, wow. so that all. All his followers, fans, anyone who likes Nine Inch Nails could basically create their own remixes and post them to a website and share them with the world. Um, yeah, I, I just really admired the fact that he sort of made his music a democracy. He, he just put everything out there, made it available, and completely denounced, you know, the record record labels. And CDs, and completely embraced the format of downloading. And yeah, you know, he practically encouraged people to download his
0: music for free. Was he a, was he signed to a label at the time? Um, no, I don't think away. so.
3: Oh. I think, well, he had his own label. He had his own label, which was Nothing Records, because he he was the first person to sign Marilyn Manson. But I think before, I, I think in terms of distribution um, he was on Interscope um, and I remember I don't know if it was Interscope or or another label that he'd been on that had the rights to some of the, the first two or three albums and they released um, deluxe versions and he just um, out you know outright just said to the fans, I, "I'm not endorsing this. It, it's a ripoff. Don't buy it." Um, which, again, I know a lot of artists have done this. A lot of artists have turned around when their record labels tried to cash in on, you know, a re-release of some of their older material, and they've turned around and said, "You know, if you if you if you own the original, don't buy this. It's pointless." Um, so yeah, I think his his kind of outlook and his kind of willingness to just be different and and sort of a little bit ahead of the curve not not completely. I'm not going to try and make out that um, you know he he was original in everything he did from a rebellion standpoint. You know, he took huge beats from Gary Newman from David Bowie, um, from Iggy Pop. So there's a lot of things that you can see throughout his music that, that molded that kind of rebel heart, that, that attitude. But yeah, I think he continues to sort of move move towards the mainstream by creating these quite, quite incredible film scores um, that he's been doing with Atticus Ross. And he's now gone from being this you know, this ne- never quite a fringe artist in the fact that he's always had, you know, a big a big fan following, but he's never really been embraced by the mainstream. You know, he's not he's not someone that that, that people turn to and quote, so you know, he's trying to he's he's a great musician. And yet he's now one um, Oscars and Emmys for his work on, on different film scores. And, I, I, you know, and he's, um, I think he's now teetotal. total um, he's, he's kind of put all his drug abuse behind him and he just seems to be in a really good place. So, yeah, I guess it's a huge life cycle of, of someone who is so antagonistic towards the, the medium of music that they're, they're putting out there and the kind of the structure and the record labels and, and everything about um, how music was made and distributed and how kind of tours were organised and set up, you know, throughout the 90s and the noughties before, um, yeah, essentially the labels pretty much were broken apart
0: that notion yeah, of yeah. free music is is always very interesting because i remember uh lily allen at the time of the radiohead when in rainbows came out and uh, she had an interview at that point for some reason and i remember her um being very um vehemently opposed to that notion of giving your music away for free like radio she was citing the radiohead situation specifically mm. but i can only assume her her um, argument would have obviously extend to what you described that about Trent Reznor's music but um, she was really opposed to it because she felt it devalued the music to give it away in that context and I baffling like in terms of I'm not I mean if, if an artist has the right to in theory give their music away however they so wish but it, I found it interesting that you know her logic was that uh, music would need a price tag to have value why would it need to, you know, if it's given away for free? How does it devalue the product in any way?
2: It depends on what you're doing it for, though, doesn't it? That's that's, I guess, you know, if if she's, if her view is that I'm doing this as a career to better my life, to make money and better my life, and my and my performance is worth X amount, then that's where the value is for her. I, I would I would assume, whereas for your Trent Reznor's, or for an artist that's like, I just want people to listen to it and enjoy it. I don't care how they get it. That's that's a different form of value. So I could understand that
0: in terms of if the label had made the decision about her music to give mm. it away for free. I could understand that that comment. But a uh, bands of the status of the stature of Radiohead or Trent Reznor for them to make it and then consciously decide this is how we're going to give it away you know i i don't think that i feel like it's sort of a overly judgmental approach to have on 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 a name that has reached an incredible level of mm. uh, success on its own already right
2: yeah no for sure
3: i think i think there's also an inherent problem with valuing music because if if you were around before the record labels and Spotify and downloads kind of came in and and not destroyed music, but it it, it certainly changed how people experience and consume music. So I think there's kind of an issue because the bands you knew then uh, had, I don't know, had a better support framework, a better way of getting in front of people whereas I think it's that much harder now for a band to come in with no reputation, no record label behind them um, to then really you know it, it, it's, it's that much more difficult to justify value in, in, in music, especially when you think about it um the artist was only getting something like 20 15 20 percent of every sale because you know we we were essentially paying for the, distri- the distribute distribution and printing of the vinyl or the CD and the and the, the artwork and the plastic case and the CD again obviously there's only there's only. Mere pennies or pounds in that, but if you think about it, a download costs nothing to no one. It, well, okay, it might might cost hosting fee. So I think it's it's a lot more difficult for a new band um, to try and get their their music out there and to charge straight off for it without any kind of reputation or, I I guess, or or radio play, it's it's really difficult. I mean, even now, um, I think as good as it is that because there's no costs um, in a download, I don't... I I find it hard to pay the same price that I would have for a CD in the 90s and early noughties. You know, I don't want to pay... £12, £15, pounds because to me, the value's not there yet. It, it just, It's just not earned. Um, so I think one of the things, you know, having downloads is, uh, has allowed people is that they can charge less. You know, you don't have to charge £10 pounds for a collection of songs. You can charge £5. Pounds. If you go on Bandcamp, um, there's quite often the same model as in rainbows, which is you just pay what what you what you what you want, what you think is fair. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's kind of interesting from from that perspective. How I don't know. I, pe- well, people have obviously rebelled against the music industry, but at the same time, that just gave birth to something which I think is far worse and that's Spotify. But yeah, probably save that for another podcast. Yeah.
0: But just as one one sort of point on that, um, but I don't it's interesting you said that it's way harder now. I'm not sure if that's I think, you know, regardless of error it's always gonna be really hard to to get your music out there and, um, to make money off it. And so, you know, to reach a level where you can do it full time. I think it was hard. It's really hard now. I think it was really hard 30, 40, 50 years ago. And, um, but I feel like now it, uh, the challenges are different now, but it's like now everyone has a shot. You, there weren't things like Bandcamp. I mean, we could literally record a song now and put it on Bandcamp, and it could have a chance of being discovered if we promote it in a way you know but again in the 80s 90s that didn't exist if you weren't signed to a label then yeah, you were yeah. selling stuff in from your car or, or yeah. like you know mm-hmm. at least now people have a chance but now there's yeah how many people do you see getting picked
2: chance? up from like a youtube video or something like that mm-hmm. like suddenly they're They're out to millions of people and they get picked up in that way. I mean, it does make music more disposable, but at the same time, you're right. I think there is. It it
3: really does lessen the value of music because Hmm. there's so many mediums, you know, that it's very, there's so much noise. It's very hard for, I don't know. I think it's very hard to, to kind of cut through so many different um so many different artists and bands out there who, who as you say, you know, um mm. in, in in the nineties, you know, they had they had to have a recording studio, they had to have a producer, they had to have some kind of backing. Now people can do it with a laptop in a you know in their bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I this think- is
2: this is this is definitely a, a topic for a full topic for Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. uh there's a lot we could dig into on this yeah, one, I think. Yeah, it's a good
0: one, actually. Um, yeah, okay. Well, on, on that note, um, yeah, there is a great topic in there. Um, but, I mean, for the purposes of today, Trent Reznor, we, we salute you. Um, and uh, I think that was a great pick. I, I fear I'll be echoing some of those sentiments for my pick uh, a little later. But, again, it just, yeah, it shows, obviously, why I'd certainly think it was a it was a great pick and a, and a great way of, I don't know, just, I don't know presenting your music for everyone to consume and be happy about and just, and just find the joy in it. And, uh, and you know, an artist who loses that joy in making and giving their music away is, you know, it, it becomes a different business for them, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, it's awesome that, that never, he never lost that. So that's a super cool pick. Uh, TJ, may I ask you, sir, who would you cite as your, your ultimate rebel, uh, within music?
2: Um, okay. So I'm going to go a little bit off piste, in terms of my favoured genres of music and artists. pick someone who actually isn't an artist, that isn't someone that I would say is one of my favourite artists at all, or someone who I necessarily listen to their music a great deal. However, um, in the realms of music rebellion, um, doing whatever they wanted to do, uh reinventing themselves when uh in the face of adversity and in no, no actually in the face of adversity um i'm going to call call out uh, madonna as um as an ultimate music rebel i think um in terms of you know when you look at the stuff that dan mentioned about trent reznor you know she she doesn't really compare on and that level in terms of, because, you know, she is mainstream and she has sold a buttload of music and she does have millions and millions and millions of fans all around the world. Um, you know, as you mentioned before, she's done Super Bowl halftime show, all that kind of stuff. But I just think when, you know, you look back on, you know, she started a career in 1979. Um, over 40 odd years, um, of her career, she's still, cause she's still active, I guess. Um, You know, she's done things her own way. She's um, been uh, an advocate for feminism, um, sexuality, uh, independence. She's reinvented herself countless times uh, in various guises, um, kept herself relevant, um, you know, pursued her acting career when really, was it really a thing that she should have done? But, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, she, she's, she's pushed on ahead with that and, you know, done some, you know, and done some uh, pretty amazing things in the world of pop. And, you know, um, you look back some of her early stuff, yeah. like her first album, um, Madonna and like a virgin, which, you know, at the time had some really contentious lyrics. I think she had like the Vatican were, uh, she went up against the Vatican because of some of the lyrics and the imagery that she used. Remember, she had like a black Jesus in the video, and um, you know had that, the whole stigmatic. Was, that, to...
3: that wasn't like a virgin. That was uh... sorry.
2: No, that was um, Papa Don't Preach. That was Papa Don't Preach. Was it? No,
0: no, was it wasn't. It? No. <laughs> it was like a virgin.
2: No, no, it wasn't like a virgin. Like you're a right, not it? Sorry, like a prayer. <laughs> That's the one, thank you. Holiday. Um, no, <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, but yeah, you know, all all that stuff, and she's she's always kind of um, done her own thing and and forged on ahead with what she believed in. Um, you know, and in terms of reinventing herself, you know, came out of the blocks strong with uh, you know the whole look that she had had millions of um, uh, you know started whole new fashion trends for you know, with all of her fans and um, became a global icon and then took a hard left term and went into the kind of erotica era and kind of really pushed for pushed um pushed that side of things. Um and then went and I think it was was it um Hinduism or Kabbalah or something like that. She Kabbalah. then switched to in the yeah switched to in kind of the mid nineties or late nineties and um you know, again, reinvented her music and her style and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and you know, she. I don't think anyone could turn and say that she was, you know, the greatest singer um, in terms of like raw natural talent. But she's, you know, one hell of a hardworking performer and um, you know a great entertainer as well. So you know, I know she probably catches a lot of flack now because she's still. Jiggling around in her sixties and doing her thing. But again, you know, she's still, you know, doing still her thing. And yeah, exactly. You know, she's she's she's, you know, again reinventing herself, doing collaborate music collaborations with, you know, a lot of um current artists and still gets a lot of respect in the industry. Again, still pushing boundaries, still, you know, doing new things and and yeah, you know, I think she more than most um, can claim the title to be a true um, musical or artistic rebel uh, in that re- in that respect. I she think married,
3: um, she married Guy
2: Ritchie as well. Yeah, she, <laughs> married, she married Guy Ritchie. Was that a symbol
3: Ritchie.
0: of rebellion? Or <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, <Come> on. <laughs> she also married Sean <laughs> Penn. So you know, well, um, there, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's got to be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think I think Madonna's a to be honest a brilliant pick. I, I think people can often forget just how much of the 90s she actually owned. She was mm. I mean her I think her in the the cone bra is one of the most definitive images of, of 90s pop mm. culture to be honest. And I think her well, Even if you go
2: in, back to the you go back to the 80s as well the whole thing with the like the lace glove and all that, you know, yeah. you know in terms of like true fashion and uh, artistic icon, you know, she you know she's mm-hmm. well up there, for, and, and like Absolutely. I say, she's got like, a forty-year career, mm. and is still relevant today. You know, you say the name Madonna, and you know people know who it is. She's, you know, she's still still one hundred percent relevant. So, despite her acting career, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, and, and actually, i not her acting career. But you know, she did like um, Evita, which you know she got rave reviews about for mm. for that one. And
3: I, I actually had a joke uh, on that. Level. What's the difference between Maradona and Madonna?
2: God, what?
3: Well, actually, not difference, similarity. They they both cried
0: for Argentina. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> is that a football joke? I don't get it. Not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of this sport. Um, <laughs> uh, did anyone see the Willem Dafoe movie out of interest? Yeah. Was it as bad as it? What? <laughs> was cited, or I think you've got to. Put
2: don't it in... don't piss on my choice now. No, You're just going de- to going to devalue my music record choice now. Yeah, you've already Behind cited the, the, the movies as questionable. No, no,
0: I completely agree. And we talk about music, so no, no, you yours is a solidified <laughs> pick. I think it's a great pick. <laughs> you,
3: you've you've got to put it in the context of it came out a year or two after Basic Instinct, and it might as well just have been called Basic Instinct Two. But with, for some reason, Willem Defoe and, and Madonna. So I think that's the problem. It's not that her acting is particularly that bad. I mean, it's, it's certainly not great, but at the end of the day, it's like, why have you just tried to remake Basic Instinct?
2: Yeah. I the know. Movie, the movie was know. called Body of Evidence. It's yeah. Definitely, open bracket, definitely not Basic Instinct, close bracket. <laughs>
3: I definitely did watch it quite a lot of times and pause the good bits. Definitely <laughs> do that I
0: definitely didn't know you were a Willem Dafoe fan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there, there's an uncomfortable amount of Willem Dafoe going. You just don't <laughs> want to see his, his sex face is not good.
2: I shall I mean,
3: think of that the one. bad guy in Spider Man and, and it's the same look. <laughs> not good. Ooh.
0: Oh, I'm so compelled to watch it. And to,
2: cap, and to cap it off, uh, she actually had an album called Rebel Heart. So, boom, done. Boom. Wow. Rebel. I don't know if, them out, don't know if that, that album in particular was any good, but yeah.
3: She, she also, and I don't know how she, she managed this, but she released a really popular film, which was kind of just a documentary about her being on tour. Oh, yes. Um,
2: I think I, I saw that. It was... Um, uh,
0: in bed with, been, oh yes, in bed with Madonna. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, she's pretty interesting. A hugely
3: controversial. I think it was banned for years. Uh, book called Sex.
0: Yeah, that was sex, on my mind. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was called Sex or Erotica. Yeah, but I was, remember, yeah, funny. I
2: remember when that came, when that came out. It was like the, the bookshops were banning it and all sorts of stuff, and it was causing pandemonium basically that uh, that, that, was, that was an
0: era where that that kind of response was gold do you know yeah, what i mean when definitely. you could go and that Causing you controversy. Just, absolutely that was almost better than it being a success back yeah. then do you know what i mean when people were own and yeah that was just you've made it <laughs> you know it's, yeah. and
2: whereas you know do something like that now and it's just like oh great you know yeah, exactly. whatever <laughs> yeah. but but yeah like you know late early 90s like mid 90s if you can that, hit that sweet spot,
3: if you compare a mod a, a more modern day equivalent of Madonna, and that's Miley Cyrus, and <laughs> it's just like you know, Miley Cyrus is is it, it's it's more difficult to find a picture of her fully clothed <laughs> than it is bearing whichever set of privates that she's gonna be putting on display. Isn't
2: that um, isn't that testament though to how much more and it's quite quite sad well, maybe it's a sad thing, how much more desensitized we are now to, to that sort of stuff because you have to push you have to push the bar so mm. far now to actually make people sit up and take notice. Like the things Madonna was doing in in uh you know in the nineties with erotica like if you did that now, you'd barely get you know barely get a headline yeah. uh, well, you know you now of- you have to you have to oh. basically get everything out and be as outrageous as possible in the most outrageous way as possible for people to even you know Back-out. sit up and take notice
3: well you, you think of every hip hop video that mm. or even r and b or soul you know every video that comes out to, you know has to be. And i'm'm I'm, I'm saying this like i'm a poo i don't don't really care but it it is loads of women shaking their their asses in in all kinds of bongs and you know very little and as mm. you said it's like it it when when Madonna was kind of pushing the boundaries over what was acceptable what what could be seen as um yeah, you know, she as, as you said, uh, Tito, you mentioned like feminism. She was mm. she was she was kind of an advocate for yeah,
2: female showing the and...
3: form, showing yeah. showing off the female body, and, and completely proud and, and just de- desensitizing people to just, just saying, look, we've all got, you know, we're we're all naked underneath our clothes. Why why is it such a big deal? Mm. Whereas, yeah, as you say, now it's just like nudity of some form in a pop in a mainstream pop video no one would give a monkeys it's just how it is now
0: it's funny because i think back to like the 90s and you kind of think about like again madonna being a prime example where you you ask that question of what are they going to do next you know because everything was so decisive it was so shocking it was so uh controversial and it was always interesting to know what is this person going to do next and I, you know from a completely different tack you look at Michael Jackson and you know the, the anticipation they would be at a new Michael Jackson video They'd announce it a week in advance and you'd be like oh my god I can't wait to top of the pops where they're going to show this video and it was always the, these monumental kind of moments in music back then and I kind of wonder if that's just the generational thing because we look at it now and think that, that that doesn't exist but I don't know if like are there kids nowadays that look at uh, an artist as being that controversial and impactful with the minor things that they they do do you know what i mean i don't know maybe miley cyrus has a a really young audience at the age we were when madonna was doing this stuff um and they kind of anticipate that those those actions in the same way i guess it doesn't get the mainstream response of that this amazingly shocking thing has happened, you know, a a performance or anything like that. But it'd be interesting to know if we, if there's that, you know, if, if their kids have that kind of experience with music that we did.
1: Do do Uh, you know
3: the last last video that kind of, that kind of came out with no, with no hype um, leading up to it, it, it just dropped in the middle of one summer and really caused a kind of nuclear explosion of kind of interest and analysis. Do you know? Do you know what? Well, there's probably been a few since, but th- this was the last one that really kind of took me into the bubble. Um, and that was uh, Childish Gambino.
0: Oh, god! America. Yeah, yeah. This is America, amazing.
1: Hmm.
0: And you, you just, you know, as you said, if, if you talk about the
3: nineties and noughties and eighties where you had videos that had you know, Michael Jackson videos that that had million millions of pounds spent on their budget. You don't really you, you don't get that anymore because MTV let's there is no MTV, it's it's reality T V. Um, there isn't a market for big loud expensive videos so yeah i found it quite interesting that 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 childish gambino video was just like whoa what the hell and it and it got yeah, it got so much attention both negative and positive
2: um would you like to know two of the celebrities who appeared in the book sex by the way which i thought was quite funny one was kind of obvious the other one i'm like kate
3: moss must be kate moss close or, oh no, Naomi Campbell.
2: That's one. That's
0: one. Yeah. Willem Dafoe.
2: <laughs> no, although this guy does look a bit like Willem
0: Dafoe. <laughs> okay. no, on, yeah.
2: Nope.
3: Shane Ritchie?
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, imagine oh. Shane Ritchie
0: was in that book. I'd rather not, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm dying. I'm
2: dying. <laughs> uh, Vanilla Ice. No. Oh, they
0: dated, didn't
2: they? They dated for a while. Yeah, he's out. Wow. He's in there doing all sorts, getting up to all sorts of <laughs> acts.
0: Wow, and she dated Tupac wow. as well. That's amazing. Yeah. Tupac and Vanilla Ice. That's impressive.
2: <laughs> and and then she. It's, it's so- quite
0: a resume
3: they all are dancers for about
2: the last <laughs> yeah. 20 years well, dancers yeah. But there you go, but on everybody.
0: <laughs> well, no, I think I think it was a great pick and it's it really is one of those things that I think what she achieved particularly in the 90s can be so easily overlooked because you know it's good to, because of people not in that era anymore and we've seen so much sort of since but I, I I yeah she's a I think a great pick and the, yeah the things that she did was it was so controversial so so shocking and it was always a case of what is she going to do next uh yeah she owned the 90s in terms of pop music i really think she did
3: can i call out one thing that she did recently or fairly recently on, that was incredible when she had that really long gown with a trail behind at the Brits at the was it the Brits mm, i think so I, Oh, okay. Oh, and yeah, so
2: when she stacked it. And she stacked it, she got, you know, she got pulled off. Oh, someone stepped on it, right? <laughs> and then just yanked her backwards. No, I don't think
3: anyone stepped on it. I think the whole idea was it, it got caught. Oh, it got, yeah, it got caught in something. And yeah. she got pulled off, like, steps yeah, or, or stage chill. on quite a good height. And she just carried on. The professionalism, she, that that must have fucking hurt. And she just carried on and performed the rest of the set mm. completely immaculate. And that just, for me, it, it, negated, it negated any kind of um, schadenfreude where you're kind of laughing at you know someone falling off stage. It, it completely blew that out of the water because I was just like, oh, my God, she... Mad
2: respect, made- yeah.
3: Yeah, respect. She owned that performance, and I, and she went up so much in my esteem mm. when I saw that.
0: Amazing, kudos. Okay, I'm gonna jump in on my on my pick. Uh, my ultimate. What is your pick
2: is, Edwin, who is your pick?
0: Uh, how kind of you guys to ask? That's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wondered why we were pausing there. I was like, oh shit, I'm
0: we're sleeping on the job it's like yeah what's that? No, no no all right
2: thank you everybody see you later bye it's like oh, I, I was waiting then, for someone to lay cr- their coat anxiety. over the <laughs> puddle
0: yeah i was waiting for someone to lay their coat over the puddle like hello and we just <laughs> walked off oh, no. a <laughs> <Co-presenter> fail <laughs> i'm i'm gonna jump in uh which will probably be no surprise at all but uh prince um as exemplified by our opening kind of um discussion uh his acts of rebellion didn't always work so i'm not citing the trench coat bikini uh kind of (laughs) error of of his expression uh for me I, i always kind of i think that i think much like madonna where people forget just how impactful they were in an era i think uh what prince did post his time with warner brothers uh is was really exceptional and i i think him as an independent artist which he maintained for many many years um i I think he pioneered it in in really incredible ways um he continually looked at i mean he was one of the first people if not the first to fully embrace the internet and he would ultimately turn on it in much the same way but i think so much of what he did uh as an independent artist was to was in um again, like Trent, was to kind of cut out that record label uh, aspect to, say, a business model of making music and getting it to fans. And um, he he kind of pioneered uh, the internet as a direct, uh, direct sort of access to, to fans. Uh, he, he even looked at, like, he, he would sell a, albums through concert tickets like he did Uh, For his Planet Earth album at the O2. If you bought a concert ticket, then you were given a a, a copy of the album. He gave uh, his 2010 album uh, via the, um, I forget, it was through a tabloid, the Mirror or the Express or something or other, but you bought a copy of the newspaper, you'd get a copy of that in there as well. He uh, put in an, uh, an album of live music of his uh, after show performances through a coffee table book. So you buy the book, you get the album. You know, he continually looked at pioneering ways to get his music out there. Again, as an independent artist, so much of his time with Warner Brothers is, you know, documented and sort of best, you know, epitomized in the 90s when he would scrawl the word slave on the side of his face because he resented um, being. Uh, you know he could never comprehend that a record label would own his music. He could never comprehend it, and he always had huge issues with the fact that if he wanted to put something out that they wouldn 't do it and there 's actually to be completely fair there 's Warner brothers weren 't always the villain <laughs> in in kind of in the way they wanted to do that i think um almost as soon as the machine would start for warner brothers to send out an album to start the promotion prince would then say here's the next one and they say well we haven't recouped anything from from this album we kind of have to go through that life cycle of two three singles slow down Yeah, exactly. He, he, he wouldn't, he was, he was constantly making music and I think he was always frustrated that Warner couldn't accommodate the pace in which he wanted to make and release it. So, it, you know, I, again, Warner tend to get labeled as the, the total villains and, um, I, you know, I sometimes you kind of think, well, they've still, they've given you loads for one album. They need to try and recoup that uh, within that traditional two year lifespan. Um, but, he was just always constantly making music so again so from um the issues the the kind of the the acts of rebellion I I look at is sort of past those Warner Brothers years where he just he was he could have gone anywhere after Warner Brothers and he could have signed any deal and he could have got millions and millions and millions for it but I always respected the fact that he remained an independent artist because he wanted to retain complete control of over his music how people got his music, how people listened to it, how they paid for it. And when he would release it, he wanted to retain complete control of that and not be beholden to any label any schedule or anybody but and you know he he was such a good hustler with it like i said about his ways of distributing that music it was it was ingenious so many different ways that he would come up with for each album i just thought it was really really incredible and um like i said he could have just sat back released albums and just got huge amounts of money from major major labels but he never opted to do that and i, I always thought that was an incredibly kind of inspiring uh, approach and much like the Trent uh, Reznor thing that we discussed earlier, you know, it was about reinventing what the the process was for for kind of making, distributing, and selling music. He always he couldn't comprehend, um, you know, how that how that would be the case. That why he why there would need to be that record label that would take ownership and have ultimate say in music that he created. So uh, you can agree with it or not. I kind of sometimes sit in the middle, um, but I think just his efforts, he put his money where his mouth was, basically after Warner Brothers, and remained uh, in complete control of his music. He only even subs- subscribed to streaming. Just like a, a very, very soon before he actually passed, so he's you know made, signed an exclusive deal with um, Jay Z's title, and um, but he you know he he could control that he could control about it not being streamed and not being on YouTube even. So um, yeah, his desire for control obviously led him to some I think some pioneering efforts as an independent artist.
2: I guess by the time he went independent as well, he kind of he'd reach that level where he could do that, right? Yes.
0: Yes. I, I certainly don't. He did, he did not start from the bottom up. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he was already like one of the biggest names in, 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 in music uh, when he went independent. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, again, you're at a point where you don't need to work to the level he did. Do you know what I mean? And coming up with these yeah. new way, innovative ways of, of getting your music out there. But, um, so yeah, you're right. He was like, the most known independent artist that he could have been already.
2: Hmm. I
3: I always remember when he did that incredible run at the O2. Yeah. Um, Well, I don't know how many, do you know how many nights it was? 21. 21. And the thing about that is that frequently artists of his stature um, really, yeah, it's so rare for them to A, enjoy playing music yeah. to their fans as much as he did and for as long as he did. It's like um, I think every single one of those gigs in their own right were, in, you know, incredible, really, you know, he, he put puts everything into, into those gigs. You know, it's not just like, oh, you go there and, you see Prince yeah. or you know, watch him for an hour and a half and then he's done, you know, does does the hits um and then shuffles off. No, I mean he does like three, four hour gigs and multiple encores, you know. Mm-hmm. I I've never seen a guy so energized by his own music and fans, um and to put on, you know, a, a twenty one gig tour that was Probably I don't know. I don't know if it was consecutive days, but there can't have been much no, between. No, there weren't.
0: Yeah, they, I think it was over the course of a month-ish. They weren't every single. It wasn't twenty-one days in a row, but it would, you know pretty much. I mean, you know, take an, uh, a day or two off after you know in between sets, sort of thing. But but yeah, I think it was within the space of a month, and that's incredible for a stadium show, as you say. And there were after shows for many of those nights as well that he would play two or yeah. three in the morning. So it was. Yeah, you're right. He got and, such enjoyment from playing music. Yeah,
3: and he gave away a CD as part of that. If I remember.
0: Mm. Yeah. So that again, it was another sort of method of. But he he was always he always sort of that that notion of rebellion. Um, like for his his debut album, he was probably 19, I think, when Warner Brothers signed him, and they wanted him to work. You know, they were uncomfortable with him having complete control. For he's never produced anyone. He's never you know, helmed an album before and they wanted they had secured uh, Maurice from Earth, Wind and Fire, who late seventies was huge. And that was an incredible coup for them to have secured for him, but he he outright rejected it and said no one was going to produce him but him. Um it's you know, his first album wasn't like a, a massive hit in by any stretch and it probably would have been if he they had he had gone with Earth, Wind and Fire, but he he always stuck to his guns. He always had an incredible vision for uh his own his own music and um, sometimes it absolutely worked. And well overall, I think it absolutely worked. Well, obviously there were times when it didn't. And, uh, but, but yeah, I just thought his, his commitment to his own path and uh, was, uh, yeah, an incredible, incredible thing. Yeah,
1: no, I, very, I agree. Very, um,
0: sorry. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I know this
3: is really obvious, but the, again, the kind of the lyrical, content of his songs and videos you know he he loved to court controversy he loved yeah. to push the boundaries M- perhaps not as i don't know may, maybe maybe in well, I, again i wouldn't say some of his lyrics are subtle but um yeah obviously he wasn't doing it with nudity but he he definitely had this incredible you know sexuality um yeah. You know that that just—I
2: wouldn't say he was subtle with it either. No,
3: no, no, definitely not, not, not subtle. But I mean, uh, he uh, well, aside from being in a trench coat in 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 bikini bottoms, he—he was. It wasn't like he was, um, you know, doing doing videos in the nude. But actually, no, he probably did. Yeah, no, I think he is quite like Madonna when I think about it. I, well, he never
2: got his penis
3: out. Let's put it that way.
2: Did he not? Are you sure about that? Can Whoa. you confirm 100% I'm in my that never happened?
0: Uh, well, there is the, there's the love sexy cover where he is completely nude, but he's covered in that area yeah. with his leg. So, yeah. So he almost <laughs> did. <laughs> he probably did. He probably wanted to, and they've said, no, we're not going to do that. Please. In the inlay card, at least. No. No. <laughs> But uh yeah, there you go. Because I love
3: I I I'm sorry, one of the one of the most rebellious acts I think in the world is the ability to fillet your own penis, which <laughs> one one of the greatest um stories about Prince was oh that he, God, had, yeah. he had two ribs removed
2: so that he could do that. Hundred <laughs> percent legit, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely true, definitely. <laughs> I mean, if you could afford to have three of your ribs removed, would you... No. no
0: <laughs> that is, that's a whole that's other good. podcast topic, yeah.
2: yeah so There's two podcasts, that one is.
0: Yeah, I think we could assume seen the all of us would say, yeah. But anyway...
2: Guaranteed, one of you two is now kind of Bending over, trying to see which ribs would need to be removed.
0: It wasn't a comfortable pause, was it? There, like it
2: was sort of like. One of the mutilating procedures. <laughs> oh gosh.
0: And on that bombshell, that bombshell, um, I think, I think, I
2: think that's a wrap. I
0: think, I think it's. Right. I'm so happy we finally got this. So episode 31, we kicked this off, so now it's 38, and we finally got to part two. So, um, uh, thank you all for contributing on days where um, we may not have been on the best of forms going in. But I've had a great time, so thank you so much for your company, both.
2: I still feel like shit, but hey, <laughs> we got it done. You got it done.
3: Join us in three
2: years for part three. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to the who's who's had their ribs removed conversation.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you very much, gang. Oh, we'll, God, um... my sister's going to listen to this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's heard words coming from that's your throat. Yeah. That's going to be an awkward conversation. <laughs> anywho thanks people.
0: thank you so much uh, for tuning in quick reminder friends that uh, you can find us at forever in dot com uh, we'll have um, new episodes on the first and third Mondays of every month um, Dan I think is picking our next topic I look forward to hearing what that will be uh, as a way maybe the ribs conversation we honestly can't tell at this point <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yes yeah, so we very much hope to catch up with you soon thank you again as always for your company and uh, all the very best my friends Bye-bye. bye
1: bye bye